1: Welcome to MindShifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm the host for First Hour, and today is Friday, November 17th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives. As we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered, These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at wyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that they start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, why is this happening to me again? And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for 19 years to improve the quality of my life and of most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon on Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. And we help people do all of these things soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their lives, and secondarily because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, We'd appreciate you doing so by giving us a call at 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1 on your phone, it'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll be able to turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. And we greatly appreciate whenever anybody does that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be a service. And that's just a whole heck of a lot easier to do when we know how these things are landing for you and what's working and what's not and what would be of the most use for you in spending our time together in these weekday hours. If, for whatever reason, you're unable to call in directly or you prefer not to, you may send us an email. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. And you can email Jeannie at J-E-A-N-I-E at Yagain.org. Why That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. And if we get a comment or question from you in the email, we'll address it on the Internet show. And then as time allows, send you a notification about what day and time that was addressed on the show so you can listen back to the archive for your feedback. And we appreciate it when people do that. So, uh, we've been working through the way of mastery in the first two lessons, and then yesterday we began by dipping our toe into the third lesson, and... um, Actually, yesterday was a a quick overview of the first two lessons and then beginning reading the third lesson. So um, comments and questions are welcome related to what's happening in the way of mastery and what the third lesson began with and is asking us to be aware of specifically that we're actively using the power of creation, our own power of creation, all day, every day, and literally creating our experience of life and our experience of every person we interact with. And one of the last things we read yesterday was the idea that once we learn how to dismantle our false perceptions, which is what they the process known as forgiveness in this work. The more we do that, the deeper we take ourselves into the purity of our own consciousness, and the more we learn how powerfully we have been coloring and affecting our relationships. In other words, the way Krishnamurti would talk about it, the more we do this kind of work, the more we wake up to the fact that most of us have never had a relationship with another person, We've only always and forever had a relationship with the fantasy in our head about that person. And it is a deep truth about us as human beings that we are not, most of the time, we are not relating to another person we're relating to our fantasies about that person. And if we can wake up to that, we can understand the truth of it, instantly we drop some significant amount of the distortion that takes place when we perceive, when we mistakenly believe that what we are experiencing internally within our own mind-body-energy system is the same as what's happening externally in the world around us. That's almost never the case. And the more we can wake up to that, the more quickly we shift to a more viable,
2: accurate
1: perception of the world around us and the people that we're interacting with. So the process that we're being asked to step into in the first two lessons is awakening our awareness of how active and powerfully we are creating our experience of life. And then in the third lesson, right in the very beginning, it asks us to accept the fact that that process of creation is very, very specifically creating, coloring, distorting every relationship that we have. And if we want a chance to have true relationship with another person, we have to wake up and dismantle the relationship that we're having in our heads with our beliefs, our interpretations, our guesses, our perception of the other person. What am I supposed to replace that with? What am I supposed to replace that my perception of another person with? Well, in the way of mastery, Yeshua was talking about replacing it with awareness of the energy of creation that underlies my perceptions. In the work, he calls it the shimmering radiance. And The shimmering radiance is something that he began to intuit and then actually began to see and then eventually woke up and realized that when he wasn't seeing the shimmering radiance, it was because he was creating an image, an idea, a perception about something that was obstructing his view. He calls it a veil, a curtain, a bushel basket, something blocking his direct experience of the flow of life, of love, of of creative energy in the moment. So, lesson one and two call us to understand that we are creating our experience of life, and lesson three says that Every perception we create is a distortion. It's our best guess, but it comes from the past. It comes from what's been shoved into the intellect and trained and conditioned into us. And it's literally what we're relating to most of the time rather than having a relationship with the people around us and often the people and things around us. So I'm just going to back up to where it reads the definition of forgiveness in this work. To forgive means to choose to release another from the perceptions you have been projecting upon them. It is therefore an act of forgiving or dismantling one's own perceptions and projections. And as you begin to dismantle or forgive, even 70 times, 7 times, each time you dismantle a false perception, each time you forgive, you take yourself deeper into the awareness of the purity of your own consciousness. You get to see your own true nature more clearly. And as you do that, You recognize your true nature is the same as the true nature of everyone you're relating to. And then you begin to see how profoundly you've been coloring and therefore affecting all of your relationships through the simple act of not being aware of the power of projection, of the power of distortion that arises in the moment of choosing perception over direct experience. The text goes on and says, but more than this, each time that you judge anything or anyone, you have literally elicited guilt within yourself because there's a place within you yet still that knows the perfect purity of your brother or sister. So there's a part of you that knows their perfect purity, that knows your perfect purity, and the oneness that connects you both or, or all, and yet you judge. And so now there's a, there's a conflict within you. One part of you is judging, another part of you sees their perfect purity. Another part of you understands that everything that shows up within the human realm is either a direct extension of the creative energy or the extension of love in form, or it's a cry for help and healing. The text goes on and reads, When you judge, you have moved out of alignment with what is true. You have decreed that the innocent are not innocent. And if you would judge another being as without innocence, you've already declared that this is true about you. Therefore, to practice forgiveness, to do the practice of actively dismantling your negative perceptions, this actually cultivates a quality of consciousness in which you finally come to forgive yourself, to release all negative judgments about yourself to dismantle every false perception of yourself. And then it says, and it is indeed the forgiven who remember their creator. It is indeed those people who have dismantled all false perceptions that see with clarity that they never left home, that they are connected to their source. The text goes on. We wish to share with you the power of forgiveness, how to cultivate it, how to refine it, how to understand the depths of it that can be revealed to you as you do a process of forgiving 70 times, 7 times, and how to bring up within you that which has not yet been forgiven, but perhaps forgotten. And in this lesson, we will also speak of what perception is and what projection is. So in that last paragraph, it says, we're going to try and help you understand how valuable it is to dismantle your false perceptions over and over and over again how to use it as a tool, how to cultivate it as a practice, how to refine it, how to understand the depths of dismantling false perception within yourself and negative judgments within yourself that can only be achieved and realized as you make this process of dismantling false perceptions or this process of forgiveness a moment-to-moment process and energy you engage in and as you do that you need to bring up from within you everything in there that's less than love that has not been dismantled it might have been forgotten it might be tucked away in some corner of your consciousness that you refuse to look at and yet it's still there and it's crying out to be dismantled it's crying out to be cancelled It's crying out to be released from its false perception. The text reads, Beloved friends, these things are of critical importance. For anyone who enters into a so-called spiritual path, they must eventually face and deal with their own deep need for forgiveness, which is an expression of the soul's deep desire to be forgiven. In other words, to be freed of the false perceptions. In other words, to be seen as it truly is, rather than seen through veils, rather than related to some kind of a fantasy of distortion, of woundedness, of defects that needs to be um, pleaded with, or atoned for. And then here's a key line that says, for there is no one who walks this earth who has not been touched by the deep poison of judgment. Now, earlier on, it says, the opposite of forgiveness is judgment. Judgment. In other words, the process of forgiveness is the process of allowing, accepting, blessing, trusting, embracing whatever happens. The opposite of that is judging it as bad or wrong, or judging it as good and therefore better than something else. I think I shared yesterday or the day before one of the quotes from Krishnamurti that the highest level of wisdom is the ability to observe without judgment. Clearly something about what Krishnamurti was tapping into is right in line with what's being shared here in the way of mastery. Judgment is the opposite of forgiveness, Forgiveness is the dismantling of judgments, is the dismantling of one's own projections and perceptions which are less than love, which are the veil that distort the actuality of life. There is no one who walks this earth who has not been touched by the poison of judgment. Everyone needs the process of dismantling judgments, of dismantling false perceptions, of forgiveness. And then, perhaps, you know, the, one of the most important lines in this entire book comes next. It's repeated in a variety of different ways. The next line is, as we speak of these things, let not seriousness enter the mind. Please don't take yourself too seriously. Please understand you're at play in the kingdom. Please understand the kind of thing that it was saying at the end of lesson two. Sing, dance, celebrate, enjoy, laugh. Engage in these exercises with great zeal, with great joy, and above all, with great outrageous playfulness. That's one of the, the final paragraphs in lesson two. Here it comes back again. Please, as we speak of these things, Do not let seriousness enter your mind. Don't think of this as a great burden and a great work. Oh, my God, there's so many times I've judged myself negatively. Oh, my gosh, I've got so much work to do. Please don't take that perspective. That in itself is another false perception. That in itself is a negative judgment. Don't let seriousness enter the mind. The text goes on and says, For in truth, all we're really doing is describing what you need to do and what you can do to release the burden of illusion, the burden of the illusion that seems to cause you to feel a heaviness upon your countenance, and it seems to cause you to feel a sense of a lack of safety in the world. You're perfectly safe. There's no heaviness except that which you create and hold on to. You can't be further away from your source and Yeshua and the Christed mind than the width of a thought, and you are the one who authors that thought. Change your thought. Lighten up. Cancel your goals. Put away everything you think you know step into this empty headedness this not knowingness and feel the lightness that comes from dropping all of the judgments all of the conditioned thought that says oh boy you better work hard you better get it right you better not you know make a mistake or you're going to be punished if you want any reward you've got to do it right drop that as false how can you know it's false? because you'll feel the tension associated with it. The tension is the alarm system to wake you up to the fact that you're not going with the flow of life, that you're not connected to the ease of creation, which gave rise to you and with which you can create new tomorrows. You could think of this process, the text goes on and says, you could think of this process as taking your rheostat and turning it up a bit by, quote, enlightening you, making you lighter, taking away the burden of guilt and judgment from you, or having you just put it down. Like a satchel you've been carrying, a heavy satchel full of granite rock, you can just... Put it down. The text reads, Therefore, in truth, understand well. This process of forgiveness is essential. What has not been forgiven or dismantled in others has not been forgiven or dismantled in you. But not by someone outside of you that sits in judgment. Your Creator never judges. What you've not forgiven in another... In other words, what false perceptions you've created and held on to about another and what you've got as false perceptions about things in the world that you haven't dismantled, this is but a reflection of what you carry within you as a burden of what you won't dismantle, of you won't forgive or dismantle or put down within yourself as a negative judgment against yourself. This comes right to alignment with the bottom line observation that says, I will never be upset about anything anybody else ever says or does or doesn't do that I think they should unless I'm still judging myself negatively for doing the same or similar thing. That's exactly what they're talking about here. Everything that I judge another person negatively about or the world negatively for is just a reflection of a time in my life when I've held a negative judgment against myself for doing the same or similar thing, and I haven't yet dismantled that negative judgment against myself. I haven't dismantled the false perception of myself as being bad or wrong or unlovable or unworthy. And once I dismantle those false perceptions, I see the world and myself completely differently. Once I open the space for compassion for myself, for whatever earlier time that I might have done something that I now think was not so good, once I have compassion for what was going on with myself, I see more clearly that I was always doing the best I could in each moment with whatever resources I had. As I do that, I dismantle the negative judgment and I remove another level of distortion from my perception. I remove another veil and I get to see more clearly the perfect innocence of myself and everyone and everything I look at. I get to see everyone as either extending the energy of love and creation or as making a cry for help and healing. The text goes on and says, you have an interesting saying in your world. Here's the quote. It takes one to know one, close quotes. So think about this. Do you think you would even be able to judge another person if there wasn't something already within you being elicited that triggers within you the belief that you know exactly what they're up to? That is why you judge them. Sometimes you judge, judge harshly because you fear that energy within yourself. Or you remember how hurtful you've been when you acted from that energy. But when you've forgiven yourself, when you've dismantled the false perceptions of yourself and of things you've done in the past. Rest assured, you will know what it means to walk in this world and yet not be of this world. You will be able to feel the energy or the activities that any other person may freely choose, and you will discern that energy. You will understand that energy, and you will see through it and you will still see the face of Christ before you. Here, discern the energy and yet not judge it. The difference between discernment and judgment, I can look around my room and I can see a cranberry-colored cloth on one chair and a brown leather on another chair and a, a greenish-blue fabric on the love seat and an entirely different color on the walls and I'm just discerning the differences I'm not saying the cranberry color is ugly and the brown color is beautiful and the blue color is so-so and I'm just seeing clearly that there are some perceptual differences when you Clear up the process of judgment within you, the process of perception and labeling within you, the process of holding on to negative perceptions. When you apply forgiveness to your false perceptions, you will be able to walk through the world and not be of the world. You'll be able to feel the energy or the activities that any other soul may freely choose and you will discern that energy without judging it. You will understand that energy fully and deeply and you will see through the energy of the person that might be a cry for help and healing and instead you will see not just their wounded self but you will see the face of Christ before you. You will not react. This is the text continues. You will not react, which literally means to act again as you did in the past, to reenact, to redo something. You won't do that. Instead, even if you're being persecuted, and then in parentheses it says, or to speak from personal experience, to be nailed upon a cross, close parentheses. Even if that's happening, you will have cultivated the ability to extend love. Now, I'm, ex- I'm inserting the word extend here in this phrase. It says, You'll be, you will have cultivated the ability to love. And I'm saying, you will have cultivated, cultivated the ability to extend love. The text reads, and in all situations, no matter what another is doing, your first response will be to enter into the quiet stillness within and merely ask of the Holy Spirit, quote, what would you have me say? What is most important for this other soul in this moment? Close quotes. How can I be a blessing to myself and others in this moment? That's what I can ask when I have cultivated this well enough. Area code 610.
3: Hi, Dr. Tim. Gosh, this is just such good stuff. It's right where I been thinking, and I bet a lot of other people too, the difference between discerning, discerning as if you're getting what Michael Rice calls actuality, even perception is not a clean thing by the sound. Um, I've been confusing projection and perception, thinking that ultimately for, for me, my understanding is projection and perception and judgment are all the same. They're like gradations, maybe, but they are the same. And now this new word comes in of discern. I'm trying to find a word that takes me out of the error of my, my out sight, of what? whatever I think I'm seeing, the error, the mistake, the mistaken um, sight, um, which is a judgment. Well,
1: okay, okay the, but listen, listen here you just said, I'm trying to find a word that will take me out of something, right? Uh
4: And so what that
1: means is you're you're playing in the realm of thought. And right now you're thoroughly, deeply engaged in sustained Mm -hmm. incoherence as David Bohm would call it. Mm -hmm. And so what you're looking for is going to be an experience that you won't really have words for. So Mm -hmm. what what, what they've already highlighted for us is what is the role of intellect if the intellect can't teach us to love, etc.? Well, the role of intellect is that it can show us our pain, our frustration, our tension, our mm. judgment. Mm. And then we simply wake up to the fact that we are engaged in a process that's producing that. Mm. And then we soften and breathe and just take a step back and just notice. Mm. One of the great, great parts of Krishnamurti's teaching is that he says, when you see this clearly, it loses its power over you. When you see it clearly, the mind then asks, oh, but what do I do with that? But Mm -hmm. the soul, the the observer, the essence, instantly just relaxes and stays Mm -hmm. in observation and understands there's nothing to be done here at that level because who or whatever might want to do that thing is more of thought, is more of ego, is more of a, the intellect as the way of mastery is calling us to think about it here. Mm-hmm. Well? Oh, so, so instead well, of here's what I do, just say this is what I'm watching for. I'm watching for tension. I'm watching mm-hmm. for judgment. I'm watching for a negative flavor of energy. And I'm going to spend more time, more of my conscious energy, monitoring my physical energy system, my body, my emotions. And just at the earliest warning sign that I'm getting into thought with a negative flavor to it, I'm just going to breathe and soften and say, oh, this is false. This is why Krishnamurti would keep saying, what we must do is learn to see the false as false. Just to see that, to see the false as it tries to parade as the truth. Mm -hmm. And eventually the truth reveals itself. And that's all we need to do. Once you see the truth, and in Krishnamurti's work he talks more directly about how the, the way to go through life is to have practiced this ability to be wide open in observation and let the truth of life that you're observing, let it act on you and let whatever actions come out of you be a direct reflection of that. So you're not thinking about what to do. You're acting in a flow, responsively, reflexively. (laughs) And when you're acting in that reflexive action, when there isn't the distortion of judgment, everything's in harmony. Everything flows.
3: You have to be in a tremendous, a, a real state of trust. Don't
1: don't do don't 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 build it up so big. Right now, now, now you're doing what, what 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 they ask us not to do. Now you've let seriousness enter the mind, right? Now you're defining it as, oh boy, you would have to have done so much work to get there. Please let not seriousness enter the mind. It isn't that difficult. It starts to happen automatically. It flows. It starts to just ease out of you when you ask what's mine to do here how can I be a blessing to my brother or sister you ask Holy Spirit in this moment what would you have me say what's most appropriate for this other soul in this moment that's all you can say those words you can put yourself in that space that's not a huge task it's just one that hasn't been practiced. Mm-hmm. And again, we're asked to play with this. Engage these little exercises, just like it said at the, um, in the last part of Lesson 2 with great zeal great joy and above all great outrageous playfulness well that's not what you're doing when you say oh I should set my watch so that for five minutes every hour I do this and I do that Hmm. you are you are so close to being able to do this moment to moment day to day it isn't even funny you are not at the other side of the universe from this possibility of living in, in direct connection to life unfolding. Now, for some people, when we say things like that, they start getting scared. Some people run from joy and enlightenment and bliss states like others run from a hot poker. Mm. So if I say to you, you are not very far from being able to do this on a regular basis, day in and day out, breath to breath, notice what comes up in you. And if there's any part of you that wants to push back against it, just notice there's some work to, to, to be released. There's some false belief to be put down, to be seen through. What does that stir up for you?
3: Oh,
0: Oh, a lot.
3: All good, I guess. Um, I've been thinking a lot about our tenant, Michael, because I get stirred up a lot with him and I know it's my stuff and we are, Tim and I are now on a wait list officially on a wait list for this independent living place where we would be selling our house and getting rid of a lot of stuff and we're thinking about a time frame and we want to give our Michael lots of Um, lots of lead time so that he can plan to be okay when we leave and um, so I'm wrestling with are we enabling him or are we helping I don't know which settling in and saying show me what to do is a great idea breathing breathing and allowing and also dismantling fear, because I have a lot of it, uh, that he won't be okay. Therefore, we, we will be, I'm not good stewards of this person who has needed some help. <clears throat> Just going, using sort of Michael's my, <laughs> the, the person that I'm thinking about, but it's all my stuff. Anyway, he just enables us to bring it up really fast and intensely because to my mind, he, isn't, he is in real danger soon to be, have nowhere to go or not even a car unless we bought him one, but we're, we don't want to do that because he could be saving money from his income every month, but he's not saving his money, and so I'm working with frustration, anger, judgment, all kinds of things. Everything's coming up, and this lesson is exactly what is needed, applying it moment to moment. Just as you say, I love that. Every breath you do it, and I feel as if I'm doing that a lot, a lot. So what does that stir up? All the stuff. But it's great to hear it because it's exactly the cutting edge over here where we live.
1: Well, um, all I can encourage you to do is engage this practice. Yeah. There are countless things that I and other people could say and point out to you at a conscious, logical level, holes in your logic, et cetera. And that is not really as... Even though at at some point or another, you know, somebody might say just the right thing and your openness to hear it is there. But that's not as powerful as just engaging this practice Mm -hmm. and recognizing that if you're experiencing a thought, whether it's about you and Tim or you and your tenant, Michael, and there's instantly fear or negative judgment arising.
4: Mm.
1: It's completely false. Yeah. And for you to train yourself to understand that, to practice that awareness that will be infinitely more beneficial to you than listening to anybody's recitation of logic and facts and solutions
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> that might be true i'd like to hear them though
4: <laughs> yeah
1: yes but that's just because that's a distraction Right, that's, that's just going to take you out of your own internal agency and ability to discern and ability to ask, where did we stop reading? Right? In all situations, no matter what another person is doing, when you have cultivated your ability to extend love, To this degree, in all situations, no matter what another person is doing, your first response will be to enter into the quiet stillness within and then merely ask of the Holy Spirit, what would you have me say? What is most appropriate for this other soul in this moment? When you've dismantled enough... Wait, wait. When you've dismantled enough of the false perceptions, in other other words, you've purified your mind and your heart and the emotional field of your own being, you've dismantled enough of your own fears, enough of your own negative self-judgments, you'll discover that you exist only to extend love. So what were you going to say?
3: I don't need to say it. You just answered. You just did it. Thanks.
1: And here's the other thing, that when you enter the quiet stillness within and you merely ask of the Holy Spirit, what would you have me say? What is most important for this other soul in this moment? Or a little bit later on on that page, it says, you may ask, What would you have me say or do that can serve the healing of my brother or sister's heart? When you do that, remember, in this work, the way of the heart is not the path of the intellect. So you don't ask these questions and then jump into thinking, here are 1,700,000 different possibilities and combinations and permutations, which one's going to be right. You don't do that. Mm -hmm. You enter the quiet stillness of the heart, and you ask to be shown, and you trust that as you extend love, it's all going to work out better than you ever could have planned with your intellect, with your conscious, logical mind. And that's the next big hurdle for most of us who've been trained in the Western mind because there's such a well-rehearsed pattern of trying to figure it out. Michael Rice calls it the number one pseudo-solution for the non-being or the angry or the fearful mind is, I'm going to figure this out. So most of us have been programmed for so long to do the figuring out that it takes an absolute practice to quiet that Mm -hmm. part of the mind. To say, okay, why don't you go over here at the kitty table with some Oreo cookies and milk with the rest of my fearful and, and hostile thoughts. And just play over there, but I'm going to sit here in the quiet stillness of my own mind where I've entered into connection to my source and ask again of the Holy Spirit, of the one mind, of the Christ mind, what would you have me say? What is the most appropriate thing for this other soul? What might I say or do that can serve the healing of my brother or sister's heart? And then trust that you don't speak or act until you feel compelled to and you trust that whatever you do is going to be a blessing for you and the other. And because you've stepped into that quiet stillness and you're asking the Holy Spirit, you will be shown and you will not be pouring your mind energy into the thoughts that generate hostility and fear. And your vision of what's going on is going to be clearer. Mm. You might do the practice that Michael talks about of resetting the filter over the frontal lobes in your brain, of your mind. Mm. Reset it to love, rachma. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: And reset the filter over the back of your brain, the perceptual filter, to kuba. So that... You can only intend, have intentions that are keyed to love, and have perceptions that are keyed to love. And then trust that if you're actively asking to be shown how to see only the truth, that shimmering radiance that Yeshua was talking about earlier in this lesson, and you're asking to only intend to extend that shimmering radiance of loving, creative energy from yourself. Whatever happens from that is going to be far better than anything you could plan with your conscious, logical Mm. mind. So the first step is asking to be shown, and the second step is being vigilant so that that figure-it-out part of my brain doesn't kick in and take over. Yeah. That I stay in the empty-headedness, not knowingness, that they were talking about in the second lesson. Does that make sense?
3: Yes, it does.
1: When forgiveness, this process of dismantling your false perceptions, has been done enough times by you that it has purified your mind and your heart and the emotional field of your own being by removing these false perceptions, anything that's negative, anything that's less than love, when that happens, you will discover that you exist only to extend love. The text goes on and says, you are the savior of the world. In each situation, your role is to ask Holy Spirit how you can serve the atonement and the correction, the atonement, the unification of all, the healing of the dream of separation, the healing that yet needs to be acquired within another soul. How can you be an instrument of spirit for that? So even if one hates you, you will not respond with defensiveness, but you will respond with curiosity and with innocent witnessing. That's after you've been doing the forgiveness process 70 times, 7 times. That right. means you have, you have the ability to enter into that process as soon as you notice a tightness or a tension or a contraction or a negative emotion or a judgment of any kind. Mm -hmm. You interrupt that process. You recognize that forgiveness is the opposite of judgment, and you move into allowance and surrender, and you you move into that wide-open state that comes from resting in your perfect safety as a spark of the, the, the divine mind of consciousness.
3: That's it right there.
1: He says, even if your hands have nails going through them, I tell you truthfully that it is still possible to enter into the quiet sanctuary of the heart and to ask of the Holy Spirit, what would you have me say or do that can serve the healing of my brother or sister's heart? Maybe the one who's hammering the nails through my hands.
4: Mm.
1: That last short paragraph reads, all that i will be sharing with you not just in this lesson but in this entire course all of it has as its final goal your complete christed consciousness and the fulfillment of what your own soul desires which is forgiveness which is the total dismantling of every false perception and the restoration of your conscious awareness to your true nature as this energy of creation expressing in form. And it's a practice. It's something that they say over and over again, please understand this needs to be cultivated in you. Why would it have to be cultivated? Because I've got decades of conditioning in the opposite direction. I've got decades Mm -hmm. of conditioning training me to be in judgment. I've got decades of conditioning where I get punished when I'm wrong, in quotes, wrong, and I get rewarded when I'm right, in quotes, right. And my mind has been trained that that's how I either avoid punishment or gain reward. And that conditioning needs to be undone. And yet, just as I said to you earlier, you are not light years away from this. You are far closer to being able to do this on a regular basis than your mind would let you know. And so again, as they say, please let not seriousness enter the mind. Engage the practice, engage the exercises with great playfulness, and that's going to be, you know, one of your one of your best uh, in- indicators that you're on track is that you're going to be feeling that you're at play with this, that you're just experimenting, Mm
4: -hmm. that it's
1: okay if it works really well or if you get tripped up and you fall back into some old pattern. It's going to be fine. No big deal. That's going to be one of your best indications that you're doing the process the way it's recommended.
3: When they talk about safety, then they're not talking about physical moment on the earth, human, time-oriented yes, yes, safety. Yes,
1: because it's, that's just a dream.
3: Yeah, they're talking about ultimate, total, final, forever that's safety.
1: That your, that your, your true nature is completely safe can't be chipped, dented, rusted, faded, or broken in any way. Your essence as consciousness has never been... It's, it's right there in the beginning of the Course in Miracles. Nothing unreal exists. And, and And nothing real can be damaged, can be hurt, or threatened in any way. And nothing unreal exists. So the whole thing about threat and danger is all in the realm of space and time. It's all made up by mm-hmm. the human mind. And I just looked up at the switchboard and see that uh, we've run out of time and we had two hands we didn't get to. So my apologies. Oh, I don't know sorry. You Raise your hand. No, it's not you. I will um, thank you. I'll mute you so you can listen to the second hour. I will thank you so much, Susan. Wonderful questions there in the reading. I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I'll turn on the microphone for and welcome Jeannie Rice. Jeannie, if you're there, you're muted. Well, maybe she's technically challenged. I will be back on Monday. I'll hang up so that Michael can get on the switchboard.
0: Thank you. So welcome everybody excuse me, welcome everybody to the second hour of Mind Shifters Radio. And today is Friday, November the seventeenth, twenty twenty three. And our call in number is five six three. 999-3581, and press 1, and that puts you in the queue, and I see there are a couple of hands up, so we'll wait for Michael to get on, he's dialing in, and we welcome you to the show, we hope that you're planning an awesome weekend, we have Aria all day today, she didn't have school, and they've had um, several things going through their households. So hold them in the space. There's, uh, Aria had it Friday and Gabby had it on Sunday and Ryan's got it today. So some kind of bug going around and uh, she's doing better but she didn't have school today anyway. And uh, I'm wait, still waiting to see if Michael comes in. And there he is. Welcome, Michael. We have a couple of hands already up.
2: Yes, here he is. Thank you, dear heart. Awesome day in Bristol, Virginia. We're probably at about oh seventy some degrees. We got some nice sunshine and ready to rock and roll. Excited to have this conversation today. Let's uh take our first hand, sweetie.
0: Okay. I think that Susan's is still up from Doctor Tim, but I'll start with her because she was on first. Okay. Hello, Ms. Susan. Hi, I have finished with
3: <clears throat> Dr. Tim, and there are a couple of other people, so I'll be listening, but go
0: ahead with the other guys. All right, blessings. Right. Thanks. The first one is 760. I believe this is Ann. You're
2: on the air.
5: Hey, yeah, it is. Um, My goodness, thanks. we
2: haven't heard your voice in a while. Welcome. How are you?
5: I know. Thank you. I'm doing well. Um, I just wanted to thank Susan for her time with Dr. Tim. I came in late, but I came in right on right on cue because Dr. Tim was saying the word judgment, and then from there it was like, ah, what Susan was going through and asking um, helped me to um, get through my wake up sheet that I'd been working on. Well, I didn't get through it yet, but it, I was at a standstill on. Uh, one one E, where you release and surrender to love, you know, the things that you've written before. And so um, what – and I was going to ask you this. I think I kind of already know the answer, but I'm on one of the semi-new ones. But um, it's where I want um, – you've gotten done with the story, the thought, and the punishment, and now, you know – it's in the box. I release and surrender myself. I didn't have an issue with that. I released and surrender my emotions right. of hatred and anger. Um, I released and surrendered my stepfather. And then I released and surrendered my story. But when I got to my thoughts, I couldn't do it. I just was bawling. I said, I can't do it. And I go, I know I need to do it and blah, blah, blah. And then listening, you know, to the whole thing, because Dr. Tim's going through the um, Course of Miracles again. And then with... Susan's stuff, so thanks again, Susan, uh, I realized my conscious logical mind was saying I had to do this in order. So if I couldn't release my stepfather with, you know, my thoughts about that that stirred up the anger and hurt, I should go on down to I choose to honor truth, <laughs> number two, A, and just keep going. And I think I've heard Jeannie say that before. Perfect. Hey. If it's not working to do it in order, then go further and get quiet. And so that's kind of like what I was picking up with Dr. Simmons. Right. Well, you've
2: heard, you've heard Jeannie before talk about what she calls backing into a worksheet. And it might start, you know, if, if you put put the worksheet in front of you. Step three is what you've got in your mind. That's where you put you put in step three, for sure. Yeah. And and I want to acknowledge you and congratulate you on something you just did that is monumental. That is. <laughs> that, well, if you go back and listen to your words, you were uh, clear and crisp and 100% responsible for what was moving, for what was coming up for you.
4: Yes. Yes, Instead that is Instead of Thank you. the thing that
2: <laughs> upset me, the thing that hurt me. So that's, mm. that's, a, like, that's a mega breakthrough. Um, because yeah. most everybody they 're they 're stuck with their belief that that out there is what caused this rather than that 's what stirred it up and uh, and 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 you know one of the things we 've talked about over and over in the show is that the the human mind is an evidential device, and that means that it can only give you the evidence that you give it permission to give you, and your words are what give it permission so if if somebody says yeah that and when that really upset me then I'm giving my mind permission to generate evidence that proves that that out there is the cause of my upset, as opposed to taking responsibility. Oh, that that stirred up this upset inside. I mean, that's um, that's just you just change the whole way from from the average person's mind, which is all about projection, to one of responsibility. That's a monumental step. So, you've really been doing your work, haven't you?
5: Well, and more recently, <laughs> um, I you know, I used to think it was the old pattern of, okay, what did I resonate? I resonated um, the stuff that I was in and the, the blame thing. And so then you resonate more of it, right, with with relationships. Well, now I'm in a relationship that I'm realizing – Oh, I have been changing, and a lot of is due to you know doing work, previous work, and then I was in this well, but more recently listening a lot, especially this year to Dr. Tim and just you know every group of us that was calling in, and I've resonated love out, and now I have this new relationship that I've been in for well two and a half months, and and then God said, um, well you know, there's still some more work to do. <laughs> and
4: it's like, really? <laughs> Here's and your opportunity to be. learn forgiveness.
2: <laughs> You'd think, like, life was designed for that.
4: <laughs> but, plain, and it and sounds like, like no. the invitation
2: to take your whole life to a new level. So that's awesome. Yes,
5: yes, it is. And so... What, I had to look it back at a folder like back in the intensive stuff. I started saving some of those. Um, wake up to you tonight. And I had done one on my stepfather and then we did the power person and definitely he was there and that kind of work and I didn't finish it. So it's like God reminded me that wasn't finished.
4: <laughs> so, so, I was,
5: so this came up. If my relationship is going to be what it is, seems to be, and where it's going, then hey, wait, there's still some more stuff to clean up. And I go, okay, okay. And so I had to break through that and see it for what it was. And this is probably the sixth one out of others that I had to deal with. And I just went right through those. And then I got stuck with with this one on the spot. And I I knew what to do. I called for help. I just called into the radio show. And as God has it. You hear exactly what I needed to hear, and so um, awesome. you know, we're on this journey, and it's it's just yeah, it, it keeps going.
4: So <laughs> like the yeah, is funny. it
2: does. Yes. So what I'm what I'm hearing is that you're in a new relationship, and that relationship's yes. showing you some of your power person dynamics with your stepfather.
5: Yes. Um, well, Perfect. because it had to do with, it was intimacy, you know, and making out a little bit. <laughs> and you and I wouldn't have thought that except I knew to change that and stop. Hey, I can't go there. And that happened a few weeks ago, but and I hadn't looked at, well, why did I pull back? Why did I say, hey, you know, um, I can't do this right now. But then two days ago. God started working on stuff, and it didn't come down to my stepfather until last night, and I wasn't going to go to sleep mm. on that, so I did it today. Nice. And then nice. I got stuck right like, there on the thoughts, but then now I know what to do different. So yeah. I just need to go earn awesome work. and then come back to that. Yeah. So, Congratulations. Yeah, that society, I mean, it doesn't change, right? I can be off of it. And then you come back to it and you just do one or two and it puts you right back into what you learned. And then you know to call for help and you know where to call. You know, who to call Ghostbusters. (laughs) Call Ghostbusters.
2: That's it.
5: (laughs) Get those old school
2: ghosts out of your jeans.
5: That's right. I love it. So so, um, I'm holding a space for Susan, dear one, because I know. It's got, it gets better. It gets better. And and it is like what Dr. Sam was saying. You said it, um, Michael, the three Ps, right? It just takes practice, practice, practice. And
4: That's once it. We get it.
5: It's what once it, it takes. It, it yep. Anyway, so grateful and blessings to you
4: guys. I appreciate awesome. you.
2: Awesome. All right. Appreciate your call. Thanks. Blessings.
4: Bye.
2: Nothing more rewarding than someone who picks up the tools and takes it to the next level. That's awesome. That's why we do what we do and certainly warms the cockles of my heart. So, Ms. Jeannie, did you have another hand up?
0: We do. And in area code 541, I think it might be Miss Belinda.
2: Are you with us, Celinda?
6: Yes. I just had to get off of the keyboard or the keypad and on to the regular part where I could unmute myself.
2: Awesome. Well welcome.
6: How are you how are you this fine day? Uh,
2: Just (laughs) fabulous. We have our granddaughter today and you know, it doesn't get much better than that.
6: Well give her a hug. We got sunshine,
2: we got nice weather. <laughs> Went out and did a little work on the garden this morning. You know, it's a, we're blessed. Always are, Michael.
6: Are you there? So,
2: what's on your mind for today?
6: Um, yes, um, the conversation with Susan, the continuing conversation that Susan is having with you and Dr. Tim, is a very right. very helpful brought up a lot of things for me. One thing I uh, um, realized was the issues of safety and perfectionism. They seem to be perennial. They rise again and again like yeasted bread. And I remember when I was listening to one of Bruce Lipton's um, interviews, and I don't know whether it was with you or someone else, but he happened to mention three healing modes that one could practice or use in order to help heal oneself. And the first one he called was repetition. And the second one was autosuggestion or self-hypnosis. And the third was the energy work, any energy healing work. And I realized that, for me, being so stuck in my head that what works best for me is repetition. And so I've been kind of going back to where I'm like a little kid, a little tiny kid, and I just start repetition, just hearing it over and over again until my mind is willing to soften and uh, go out and practice it. Uh, Right. And what I started with was because of the extreme polarity of COVID and getting caught in situations where I thought was I was sharing, and I might have been, um, and someone else thought I was preaching, which I might have been, uh, I decided to get out of the head a little bit. Now, Yeah, right, it's all the other one, right? <laughs> um, and I thought I'd get out of my head, and the only way I could figure out how to get out of my head was to start calling people dear heart like you do, sweetie, um, sweetheart, uh, things like this. And, of course, being 79, I can get away with it, right, (laughs) in this small community. um, You know, and if someone gives me a funny look, like a a guy or something, I say, you know, I'm 79. I have a license to call you this if I like. It doesn't mean anything except that you're dear and you're important. And then they just soften up and, okay. Terms
2: of endearment.
6: Magnificently. Pardon?
2: Terms of endearment.
6: Exactly. And why I did that was because I have seen how judgmental I am, not only of other but self, that I thought, I think I'll go in the kitchen door. You know,
4: I'll
6: just keep telling people basically that they're precious until I start feeling that I'm precious and it seems to be working so I'm sharing that with you especially those of us who are older we might be able to get away with it at least in the country (laughs) and that was one thing that I wanted to share and then the Another thing I wanted to share, I'm so thankful for everyone who calls in. In fact, I was thinking about you, Anne, and I was hoping that you would call in eventually so I could welcome you and tell you how much your conversations have meant for me and Magda's and Doug's and anybody else. And, Michael, was it you that a lady called in Um, or Tim, I don't remember about Uh, She hadn't called in for years and years and years, and she'd done a worksheet, and she was hung up on her perfectionism, and that was kind of the conclusion you all came to, was that she was hung up around perfectionism. Um, Right.
2: Well, if it was was me, then I probably gave her the assignment of being a retired perfectionist.
6: Yeah. No, it might have been Tim, Dr. Tim. But anyway... um, that was extremely helpful, and um, all of the conversations that have gone around early childhood have been very, very helpful for me um, to remind myself. And then Dr. Tam doing the way of mastery, and it's like, you know, go in your sandbox and play about this, and say, "Hey, look at what I've created." <laughs> you know, wouldn't I like to do something different?
4: <laughs>
6: and uh, so all. Timing yeah it's helping now my question for you is because i am so much in my head um and i'm pleased with that usually because i'm very strong intellect but putting it in its proper place uh, i was getting i was obsessing over my not being able to feel well if you can't feel you can't heal right and i was kind of obsessing and getting stuck over that and then the other morning when I was in bed, in the mornings uh, when I wake up or in the night when I wake up, I notice things that I don't notice otherwise. I don't get up in the middle of the night to do things, Michael, because in the motorhome it's just too small and it wakes Larry right. up. Or Sure. Uh, because even if I turn any light on, You know, it comes in over the top and the bottom of the door, bathroom door that closes between the two. And so I lie in bed. And I started noticing, I wanted to share this with others who might have a problem with healing too because it's too scary. I noticed that my body tells me what I'm feeling. Say that again a little louder.
4: You've faded out just a little bit there
6: yeah my body tells me what I'm feeling now isn't this an amazing thing? I will notice that I don't have my hand on a certain part of my body, like in the spleen area or in the thymus, right. on the thymus or in my lungs or it will just my heart will go somewhere in my in my uh third chakra the solar plexus, you know, it'll just go somewhere. And I started thinking about that, and I thought, whoa. And having done um, the, uh, the um, Tai Chi and Qigong and touch for health especially has been helpful for me, um, I have come become acquainted with the supposed emotional factors that go along with those particular meridians. Um, safety, uh, sweetness, life sweetness, guilt, all of those. And so I start making relationships with that. And then I can go on and do my forgiveness work. Like a lot of times I'll do the loving exchange, Louise Hay version where you put everybody in your heart, including yourself at about three years old, that one. Get pretty crowded in there, but it's very fascinating. <laughs> you it's just a good put thing. us all in, huh? Pardon?
2: It's a good thing.
6: Yeah, yeah. Or I'll cool. do something else that will help, uh, which will help um, get, get the blockages, get me past blockages in my forgiveness process, which I do somewhat. Awesome. Uh, I try to do in the worksheet. So I wanted to share that with you and um, ask um, uh, for support, which I know I always get, with everybody who calls into the show, and you and Jeannie and Dr. Tim, and the support group that Dr. Tim has. And so it's all sweet. And I'm, I'm watching the process of turning it from a particular event sweetness to just more and more particular event sweetnesses until and peace joy and love because they're all interfaced uh, peace and joy come out of love or something but let's don't go running down a rabbit hole here so anyway i just wanted to share that and any thoughts all right young lady oh yes one more thing well before I hang
2: up. you know move move on you know just keep put one foot in front of the other and do the next piece of work and the next piece of work and uh And soon you get to drop out of your head and you get to drop into the underlying energy that is human life. And when we can live in that, get into the habit and the ability of living in that space rather than all the conversations that run in our heads, then human life starts to really unfold and happen at the next level. That's my high yes. thought. I'm glad to hear you saying. So, yes, go and, for
6: it. Uh, three, three specific things. I am. I am. <laughs> three specific things with my body is that I have discerned <clears throat> is if I get into tears, it's usually about grief. If I get into uh, obsessive thoughts, it's usually about safety or some uh, some justification thing. And if I get into my shaking arm, it's either rage or fear, and so those help mm. me discern also. It's sort of like good places for worksheets. Yeah, definitely. That's the
2: place to do them, sure.
6: That yep, that's where it goes. <laughs> okay.
2: Well, you know, it's, it's so common, and I, I appreciate the way you're linking them together in your own process. It's so p- common for people to want to separate what's going on from their minds, or pardon me, going on in their minds, from what's going on in their bodies. And truth is, of course, the mind and the body are just flip sides of exactly, precisely the same coin. You can't separate them. And so if, I, if I'm having difficulty touching into what's happening on the mental level, just being aware on a physiological level. And then, you know, the, the fact that your hand, you're noticing your hand automatically goes to the place where the energy's stuck can be a, just a powerful way to open the mind up. So nice work. That's awesome.
6: Yeah, and I really appreciate yesterday's uh, breaking down of the emotional um, dis-ease process that develops into physical disease because I hadn't quite, it hadn't quite coalesced for me and um, that everything is connected to everything else um, and any, any circle one time I was talking to a friend and I said oh it's a vicious circle there's no in and no out to it and my friend looked at me who is an echoist Akenkar belongs to Akenkar. And she said, right. but every point on a circle is an entrance <laughs> and an exit. And it just kind of... I think shifted.
2: they taught us that one when we were kids, didn't it? I think it went something like the knee bones connected to the thigh bone. <laughs> there
6: you go. There you go. So all, if it
2: doesn't work
6: this way, do it that way. And I love this yeah. chakra system. Having the heart right in the middle because it is the connector between the body and the mind for me. And I decided, okay, the only way I'm going to get out of my head being too much in there is to go into the heart and
4: live more Have
2: have Have you got a pen and paper handy?
6: Um. I don't know about the paper, but I'm I'm I have a new worksheet I'm processing, and so I put it on the put it on the corner. Okay, of that. just
2: a suggestion. You might find this piece of music opens an energy space for you. I've actually okay. we had listened to it back some time ago, and I've been listening to it over and over. And, and this little kid's voice—this is a a child who's ten, who's blind and autistic. And he sings this song, and and if you just put in AGT, he sings it on America's Got Talent. AGT, 10-year-old, autistic, open the eyes of my heart. It's so powerful, this little kid's voice. He he
0: wasn't on AGT. Uh, Cody Lee was on AGT, but the little boy, I don't believe that was... uh... On AGT.
2: Oh, okay. Well, anyway, if you put that in, it'll, it'll show up because I searched for it uh, the other day that way. So he uh, may not have been on AGT. So but, yeah.
6: is it a, a YouTube video or do you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, just it go to YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. Okay,
6: okay uh-huh. that's it. Got it. So 10-year-old autistic, open the eyes of my heart?
2: Yep, powerful. Okay. Sweet, Sweet, Just right. This kid's voice is just amazing.
6: And he's blind and deaf. Right? Blind
2: and autistic. He's he, is, he was autistic. born. He was born at one pound, I believe it was six ounces. His he was Whoa. born addicted to cocaine and alcohol. If I remember correctly, his mother was doing both cocaine and alcohol, and they said he would never survive. But he did, and he sang that song. The video you'll find is, is he's ten. The kid is now twenty, of course he's still blind and autistic, and he's a speaker that goes all over the world, inspiring people and you know you look up look up his life story and and just watch what this kid's doing, and he's touching so many people um just just amazing, but just the vibration, the energy with which he sings that song is just monumental.
6: It comes out of the woodwork if we just uh, have the eyes to see, huh?
2: There you go. Yes, ma'am.
6: Okay, blessings. All right, on well, all any other these. thoughts they for you today? All, the way you know, all right, blessings. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye.
2: Honey, bye-bye.
0: And I am putting a, a link to that YouTube video in the notes for today, and his, his name is um, Christopher Duffley. Yeah. Yeah,
2: pretty amazing. His life story is pretty amazing to, to read and then to hear some of the stuff he's doing now as a young man of 20. Cool. So, Miss Jeannie, do we have anybody else in the uh Phone with your hand up or anything happening in the chat room? Any messages come through the app lately?
0: Uh, No hands up, nothing in the chat room, and no, I have not gotten any other emails. I'll click it open, make sure one hasn't come through since I checked last night. Cool. And we've got 31 minutes, so we've got lots of time. Somebody press one.
2: Yes, and I'm I'm in, in particularly searching for. You know, we did four days, so four hours of Aramaicisms, which to me is just a monumentally huge topic. Like we could spend, well, actually I've spent the last 43 or 44 years on it. And so I'm especially looking for questions that might have been inspired with that four days where you played those uh, that workshop, Aramaicisms. Anything that you know we covered in that four days, and you know, of course we didn't answer questions because it was prerecorded. But anything that uh that moved for anyone, I invited everyone before we started that series to have a note notepad and uh and ask questions. It'd be cool to hear anyone's thoughts, what it stirred for you, what questions, what what impact Perhaps some of the particular definitions and words that we talk about in the workshop have. And, of course, Aramaicism, once again, being a term that I coined to reflect our effort to bring back the original first century meaning of the words that were used in the teachings of this man named Yeshua. And what boggles my mind, you know, so often especially people who have a science-oriented mind, talk about how, well, you know, those old fogies in the desert, they didn't know anything. There is so much that came forward in the Aramaic that is absolutely mind-boggling. And the lack of some of the knowledge that is there is what allows people to continue to do some of the crazy stuff that people do out of hostility and fear. Crazy being even saying that they're doing their hostility and fear out of love. And there are just so many pieces of the puzzle that are there that create a foundation that without that foundation... It's like the tires on a car. If if what you had on your car were steel rims, you could say, well, I have wheels and they're round, so I should be able to drive wherever I want. Well, you kind of would be able to get down the road, but you're going to have a whole lot of difficulties without tires on the car. My offering, my take is that without the brain cells of the first century Aramaic language, Most people are running their minds with no tires, running their mouths with no tires, running their lives, their relationships with no tires on the car. It's that uh, knowledge, understanding, especially about the mind, has become that degraded from 2,000 years ago. And it was anything but old, old fogies. For someone who's got a mind that's open and is willing to start to just just don't believe any of it, just take it and apply it and watch how monumentally things change.
0: And Susan pressed one again, So her hands back up.
2: Oh, cool. Well, let's that say hello Susan's to the young on. lady.
0: Hi. <clears throat> hey.
3: Well, Michael, hey, part of the Aramaicisms, one of the questions I had in there is at some point, Dale Allen Hoffman mentioned that we had gotten the idea of original sin screwed up because there was a word that was mistranslated but I can't remember what that was. Can you start that up again? Tell me what that was. He said it was original blessing. He said the word should have been original blessing. Something like that. I haven't you know, gone back through. But um, right. anyway, I, I think of the fact... I'm not
1: recalling
2: offhand.
3: Well, I'll come at it, from my question, from another angle. Um, sometimes it occurs to me that the reason we may have fear is because we are experiencing ourselves as separate from one another. And yes. as soon as we're separate, we have these vehicles, our bodies that have to be maintained and protected. And we, um, so we automatically have fear in there. And yet fear is a seriousness. Dr. Tim's talking, uh, re- was reading about how one of the biggest mistakes we can make is to take ourselves seriously and to take our situation seriously. We are here to play. And in playing will and also to learn to love and withdraw all projections and judgments and perceptions so that we come back to ourselves and say, I don't know anything, show me what to do. This is combining a whole lot of stuff you've been teaching and you've right. been reading. <clears throat> but I was thinking the, the basic, I was just wondering whether... It was a translation thing that led us, the whole church, to establish our basic wickedness, badness, and the fact that we need to be redeemed by God's own son. We're that bad, that it's going to take a crucifixion. God didn't even like sacrifices, but since that was our language, he agreed to somehow make the big sacrifice because that's what we understood. I can't imagine God liked any of it, but I I just wanted to go back and find a word that might have been the thing that steered us in such a wrong direction. It doesn't matter that you don't remember it because I think Dale Allen just basically said that was a mistake. There's no original sin. There's original I think he used the word blessedness. Right. So anyway. Right.
2: Uh, uh, you know, one of the things, you, you listen to that story about uh, the language being confounded. Yeah. And that's such a key because, you know, as we started out with, um, with that first call, the language that we use determines what evidence our mind is allowed to use use in building our reality. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. we buy into language that's inaccurate, even though it sounds like a great idea, like, for instance, Mm -hmm. loving each other sounds like a great idea, but it's going to lead us off on a rabbit trail that takes us right off down a road that is in error. Because Mm -hmm. I don't want you to love me. I don't ever want to love you. And I know that I have never been loved and I've never loved anybody. That whole rabbit trail is falsity. But I do want to learn to remember who I am, i.e. my original blessing, my original state of being as created love, and make sure that my mind knows to do behaviors that support me experiencing myself as that love, so that I'm always functioning out of that state of being, out of a true achievable goal rather than the way the words were turned around. You know, I was saying yesterday, so many key words were turned exactly backward. Mm. And so you know, the mind is almost addicted to oh, well, I need to love you. I need you to love me. When this just It's just a fallacy. It's like, you know, it's like saying, gee, I'm going to do a a new opera on my piano. Get me the guitar. Mm. Well, I'm never going to be able to play an opera on my piano if I think that the guitar strings are piano keys. It's that kind of basic error to, to say I'm going to learn to love you or i want you to love me it's it's like just it's so like i want to play you're... in a particular field and and somebody shows me uh, a, a pit you know uh, at the bottom of the mountain and i try to get to the field from the pit and it's just not doable it's that mm. gross an error and, and when we give up this state of being, this state that we were created in for some falsity in the mind, we've given up the original blessing for original error. And once someone engages that error, it tends to be passed on from generation to generation. Once Mm -hmm. someone wakes up and starts to function out of original blessing, then we can each become the support for each other remembering that and remembering in the sense of becoming a member once again of the human race.
4: Mm.
3: So that's good. Human I beings. going
2: to ask. Absolutely. Right Go ahead. on. That is it. <laughs>
3: I was going to ask you, and you've done this before, but when you say hold rachma active and present, Rakma is to me, it's a chunk. It's a, it's a word I haven't metabolized and translated into my, into my, my soul. It's so so not an, an easy an, one. It's not easy. So... Could you fool around with giving it some adjectives or synonyms or?
2: How about a metaphor? All right. It's it's, it's fun. We're working with Arya on metaphors and you know getting her to understand those. So we'll come up with one. You know, now, what is this, Arya? Oh, well, that's double entendre. <laughs> anyway, so how about a metaphor?
4: Sure.
2: So, I have. A camera. And when I click the shutter, like the only way I can get a picture on the photographic plate is by opening the shutter of the camera to allow light in. Okay That's Rockman. It's a shutter in the mind. It's an opening that when we open it. And so, it's I'm I'm asking Ruka for support in keeping Rakma open, keeping the shutter open. This thing called Rakma, which then allows active present love into physiology. So it's the gateway. It's, it's a, a dual function. One, it's the gateway. You know, the aperture open is the gateway into which light enters and hits the photographic plate. Rachma is the gateway into which love enters the human form and floods into and empowers or fuels the whole human form.
4: So, so that would be isn't
2: love. it's Rathma No, is, is simply the it's the gateway. You know, when when Yeshua says you must have rock, not not love your neighbor as yourself, but you must have rock when you think of the Creator, when you think of neighbor, and by doing so, you maintain self. So I'm with a neighbor, and up comes my hostility. I'm certainly not functioning as love. I certainly don't know myself as love. In fact, maybe at this moment, I'm just so filled with rage, I can't even imagine what love is. So many people live in that world. Mm -hmm. if I've entered the practice of asking Ruka for support in opening this aperture, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden there's an opening and I get a flash of light. A flash of love comes in to bring solace and healing Mm -hmm. to everything in me that's moving that isn't love. Whatever's in there, based in whatever form of hostility or fear, if I can even for an instant, open that shutter, open that gateway, oh. then the active presence of love, the light floods into my physiology, into my mind, and into my emotions, and whatever's moving in me at that moment that's based in a lie heals in that instant, that fast.
3: I have felt that. I have felt that in the most challenging situations, and it's like a flash.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's
3: but, it. That's
2: great. Um, Thank you for the question because I've never thought of it that way and that's the the best way I could even imagine explaining it, just realizing that this is the the shutter and and the practice is to keep it open more and more and more. And and so, again, we hear Yeshua saying, you open the shutter, Mm -hmm. you bring in, you maintain the presence of love in your physiology, in your mind, in your emotions, and so by doing this in the presence of this person that brought up your rage you get to maintain your human life. You live in original blessing. Rather than, oh you know, the rage that this person resonated in you that maybe goes back a hundred generations, and people would call that the original sin. If mm. in the presence of someone resonating my quote-unquote original sin, something that went on, who knows, a hundred generations ago, the pre- the gift of someone Giving that is if in that instant, I can remember to open that shutter, then that flash of light heals whatever's moving in me. And then there's a second function for it when that aperture is open, when that gateway is open. And that is that it, there, there are basically three filters in the human mind over the part of the mind that holds intentions and the part of the mind that holds perception, or that formulates perception. Ratma, the second function of it, is that it is a gateway that allows or filters what's happening in the mind so that hostility or fear, negative or destructive energies are inhibited, and the only energies Mm -hmm. that can move to formulate my intentions are those based in love. So at the same time, it's kind of like bringing my mind into alignment with this state of being that's now shining through this aperture. And when that happens, all of the intentions I can be aware of are linked and keyed only to love. Like this is is one of the ideas that I was talking about a few minutes ago about how what's missing in the world, that the world doesn't, there's no such concept as this. And yet when it's Mm -hmm. there and, you know, this person's resonating my fear, my sadness, my grief, or my rage, if I can keep that open, then that fear, sadness, grief, and rage is inhibited Mm -hmm. by the activity of rachma. And now Mm -hmm. my intentions, the energetic patterns of my intentions have to be based in love. And seeing as how my intentions are the raw material of my goals then my goals are going to be based in love and that means that a second filter moves or a second aperture opens and that's Kuba. It's a matching, the matching aperture over perception is Kuba. And when you put those two together, you go back into the ancient Aramaic and when they said perfect love casts out fear, what they were saying is if Rakma and Kuba, if those two apertures are open, Whatever fear, whatever demon of fear is moving in you, it's going to dissolve. It's going to melt. It's mm. going to be forgiven. Mm. Whoa. And like, that's like the core of how the mind works. Yet show me anybody in the world. Show me anywhere in the world that shows up besides through Yeshua's mouth. I, I don't know if anywhere it exists. I've been doing a lot of looking for a lot of years. <laughs> better than a half century. Yeah.
3: In the way of mastery, it says, For with every breath, you establish this again and again and again. Keep doing yes.
2: it. <clears throat> well, and the, to me, that that enlightens another piece of what Yeshua was talking about, and that is that if that aperture is open, and I think from now on that's what I'm going to refer to Rockman and Kuba as, is apertures. If it's open, then it is that opening that allows the dissolution of every sin, of every energy that's unlike love.
3: Why is it that it comes back so fast? I can have that. Well, flash remember and then, yeah, go ahead. I
2: hear you. Yeah. Well, we've got a past, you know, and it's all it's all resonance. That's remember how often we've talked about. Remember, especially through the whole codependence to interdependence intensive. How many times I said, become the thinker apart from the thought, the feeler apart from the feelings, the actor apart from the actions, become the observer. Because when I can, I can see how I can get sucked into a a high amplitude hate, fear, rage, guilt, grief, drama, and trauma vibration. I can get lost in that. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: And when I can step back from that, rather than it, you know, fully fully grabbing me by the face with a fist of, you know, an MMA fighter's fingers tightening around my face and sucking me in, as I can step back and observe it, I can keep remembering that even though I'm tempted to fall into this fear or this rage or this guilt, whatever, I, can, I can keep, I'm going to keep the practice is to keep rock open. The practice is to keep that aperture open. You know, wake up in the morning before you jump out of bed. Yeah, I know you got a long list, and the mind will get you running and have to do everything. Right. But just stop and take a few minutes and just breathe and establish rock, establish your connection with active love before you say or do a word. So that that becomes first nature. Mm -hmm. And it's that, that dissolves everything that moves in what people might call the sin body, the body that holds energies that are off the mark. Remembering, especially if there's anybody in the audience who hasn't been part of this conversation for long, that the word sin in Aramaic is simply an archery term. If you were on the archery ranges and fired at the bullseye and you missed the bullseye, the scorekeeper would yell sin. If you missed the target altogether, the scorekeeper would yell evil. That's all those words mean. They're not some big terrible, you know, nasty going to get you kind of thing. The only one that can get you is your own. Mm-hmm. So, does evil exist in the world? Are there people who are off the target altogether? Does sin exist in the world? Are those who, are there those who miss the bullseye? Absolutely. Do I have to get sucked into it? Not if I stay connected to love, and then whatever's resonated in me, if I keep that aperture open, it's like I've got the light of dissolution on all what the world calls evil and sin. And I don't have to be concerned about somebody else's evil or sin. All I have to do is be concerned about cleaning up my own. And when I've got that presence of love, I become impervious to the external world. like as as a booster
3: shot.:
2: Yay. <laughs> and the breath is the key to keeping now the veil open. Remember they talked about the veil of the temple must be rent in twain. They weren't talking about a purple curtain in the church. The veil of the temple is the barrier between the subconscious and the unconscious. Keep that aperture open. Breathe, and the veil stays open, and now high speed fast forward, everything that's locked into the structure that is of that energy that's off the mark dissolves rapid fire. Now you're in high speed processing. We call that still point. I can remember we were Jeannie and I were in um Miami, Florida, speaking at a church there. And the topic I was talking on was baptism. And if you remember, you know, Yeshua went and did baptism and he did baptism because it was a tradition in the Jewish, you know, culture. Okay, I'll go I'll go do that. But you'll notice you can read through every word of it and you never hear about him pouring water on anybody's head. I mean, there are people who supposedly are following him, and that's all they talk about is, I mean, there's even a whole thing called the Baptist Church. And he never baptized anybody by pouring water over their heads. Not one person. But what did he do? What did they say? He would baptize with spirit. And that word spirit there, again, another mistranslation, another word change. If you go back to the original story in creation, it doesn't say anything about God sending out some sort of disembodied spirit being. It says the creator sent out its breath. And when we cut ourselves off from the breath, we close down the veil of the temple, which locks in those generational patterns of hostility and fear, of quote-unquote sin. And so if I'm in the practice of keeping that aperture open, keeping that light coming in, and the pineal gland is the only set of cells in the body that receives and responds to light. And it's interesting, there are so many things, so many drugs, so many chemicals and such in the culture that calcify and shut down the pineal gland so no light gets in. I believe that's probably the point of Rachma. That's the aperture where the light comes in. And then if I'm breathing when that happens and there's some form of hostility or fear in me that starts to move, the combination of those two things and I'm freed from my past. I'm baptized. So this, I'm doing this presentation and, and I literally had this visual kind of like intuitively come in and what I saw was everybody in the congregation like this is what we should be doing is everybody in the congregation getting with a partner, laying their partner down and breathing them. And that whole room of people together being breathed, allowing that full flow of the breath and people are being baptized. That would be a real baptism, Allah Yeshua, nothing to do with water. It's got to do with energetic healing.
4: Jesus himself
3: was baptized by in water by John the Baptist. Right, but he, he did left, the traditional Jewish thing. Tradition. What exactly?
2: You he he fulfilled that tradition. I think it was just part of you know this is what you got to do yeah. if you're going to be a rabbi in, in the year zero in uh, in the Middle East. Right. So we've completed. but then he goes on. And then he goes on and he does something different. He shows people Mm -hmm. how to breathe. And people who are touched by the breath in whom the Holy Spirit enters, that is the whole breath, process out whatever doesn't belong quote-unquote, their sins are forgiven. Whatever is accessed in the presence of the light, energies that are based in hostility and fear, are literally physiologically, emotionally, and mentally transmuted by the presence of love. Arpature open, veil opens, massive high-speed fast-forward healing of generations and generations and generations of trauma. Does that fit with where you wanted to go?
3: Yeah, that's... Oh boy, this this um, show piggybacked really well with Dr. Tim's
2: show. <clears throat> Sweet. Yeah. So the question then becomes... What is it, even if I'm focusing on Arakma, what is it that I have difficulty keeping my breath moving in the presence of? What, what moves in my mind that all of a sudden has me restricting my chest, restricting my throat, restricting my jaw, clenching my jaw, shutting down my cranial structure, shutting down the energy so I don't have to feel and deal with what's in there? And in those, moments,
4: yeah.
2: in those moments, if I'm able to be the thinker apart from the thought, the feeler apart from the feelings, the actor apart from the actions, I can literally, you know, it's kind of like I can bring my my spine forward, I can open my chest, I can just open my field and breathe into that, embrace that which is moving at the deepest, most powerfully traumatic levels of my generational history, and I can embrace that in the presence of that light, in the presence of that love, and dissolve that. And that's what forgiveness is, is a dissolution of that.
3: I wish it were a once and for all things.
2: d <laughs> we've got the magic pill. <laughs> yep. There is a magic pill, but there is a magic pill, by the way. There is a magic pill. Okay. <clears throat> it was called the Pearl of Great Price? I didn't say I was going to share it. I was just saying there is one. No, just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) Willingness. Willingness. Still. What is it that when something happens that I tighten in the presence of, Mm -hmm. and am I willing, because when I soften and open, that stuff's going to start to move. And, you know, a lot of people – have literally spent their whole lives and made virtually every decision about everything from what they eat to what they drink to who they talk to to how they talk. They make every decision based in, I've got to keep this shut down. I've got to keep this from moving. I can't. I don't want to face, I don't want to deal, I don't want to feel with this. And so they lock in and their gut is locked up like a, as tight as a drum and the rest of their structure is like boards. <laughs>
1: Mm -hmm. When it's meant
2: to be subtle, gentle, Mm -hmm. pulsating, moving energy through every cell, through every muscle, through every bit of sinew in the structure. So the willingness to allow, and, you know, you could almost think about the the level at which the veil is open. You know, if if it's open in the top inch of your head, well, you know, that's pretty cool, but then the other, you know, five foot whatever is closed down. So can I move it down? Can I bring it down to where... That soft, subtle, um, love-filled, light-filled energy is moving in that part of my tissue structure down into mm. where it moves through my jaw, through my throat, through my lungs, through my, my belly, through the, you know, the genital area, through the legs, through the hips, through the thighs, through the knees. Through, you know, can, I, can I open the veil so that whatever's stored there, I'm willing to embrace in the presence of love? God, that's a key Rather thing. than Yes, it is. Rather than sending that energy out into the world as an invitation for somebody to come and do it to me so that I get to look at that. Willingness oh. is a magic pill. So joining you, young lady, and our time is up. The uh, yep. blog talk just shouted in my ear, we're finished. So thank you again for your questions. Hope you've got more for us on Monday. In the meantime, everybody have an awesome weekend and the best year yet of your eternal life. Blessings. Bye-bye.